Some three weeks later, chance had taken me to Vienna, and I sat one evening regaling myself in a humble but excellent little guesthouse up in the Währinger Quarter. The appointments were primitive, but the schnitzel, the beer and the cheese could not have been improved on. Good cheer brought good custom, and with the exception of one small table near the door, every place was occupied. Halfway through my meal, I happened to glance in the direction of that empty seat, and saw that it was no longer empty. Poring over the bill of fare, with the absorbed scrutiny of one who seeks the cheapest among the cheap, was Laploshka. Once he looked across at me with a comprehensive glance at my repast, as though to say, It is my two francs you are eating, and then looked swiftly away. Evidently the poor of Monsieur le Curé had been genuine poor. The schnitzel turned to leather in my mouth. The beer seemed tepid. I left the Emmentaler untasted. My one idea was to get away from the room, away from the table where that was seated, and as I fled, I felt Laploshka's reproachful eyes watching the amount that I gave to the piccolo out of his two francs. I lunched next day at an expensive restaurant, which I felt sure that the living Laploshka would never have entered on his own account, and I hoped that the dead Laploshka would observe the same barriers. I was not mistaken. But as I came out, I found him miserably studying the bill of fare stuck up on the portals. Then he slowly made his way over to a milk hall. For the first time in my experience, I missed the charm and gaiety of Vienna life. After that, in Paris or London, or wherever I happened to be, I continued to see a good deal of Laploshka. If I had a seat in a box at the theatre, I was always conscious of his eyes furtively watching me from the dim recesses of the gallery. As I turned into my club on a rainy afternoon, I would see him taking inadequate shelter in a doorway opposite. Even if I indulged in the modest luxury of a penny chair in the park, he generally confronted me from one of the free benches, never staring at me, but always elaborately conscious of my presence. My friends began to comment on my chained looks and manners. On a certain Sunday, it was probably Easter, for the crush was worse than ever, I was again wedged into the crowd, listening to the music in the fashionable parish church, and again the collection bag was buffeting its way across the human sea. An English lady behind me was making ineffectual efforts to convey a coin into the still distant bag. So I took the money at her request and helped it forward to its destination. It was a two-franc piece. A swift inspiration came to me, and I merely dropped my own sou into the bag and slid the silver coin into my pocket. I had withdrawn Laploshka's two francs from the poor, who should never have had that legacy. As I backed away from the crowd, I heard a woman's voice say, I don't believe he put my money in the bag. There are swarms of people in Paris like that. But my mind was lighter than it had been for a long time. The delicate mission of bestowing the retrieved sum on the deserving rich still confronted me. Again, I trusted to the inspiration of accident, and again, fortune favoured me. A shower drove me, two days later, into one of the historic churches on the left bank of the Seine, and there I found, peering at the old wood carvings, the Baron R., one of the wealthiest and most shabbily dressed men in Paris. It was now or never. Putting a strong American inflection into the French, which I usually talked with an unmistakable British accent, I catechized the Baron as to the date of the church's building, its dimensions, and other details which an American tourist would be certain to want to know. 
having acquired such information as the Baron was able to impart on short notice, I solemnly placed the two-franc piece in his hand with the hearty assurance that it was poor voo and turned to go. The Baron was slightly taken aback, but accepted the situation with a good grace. Walking over to a small box fixed in the wall, he dropped the Ploshka's two francs into the slot. Over the box was the inscription, Pour les pauvres de Monsieur le Curé. That evening, at the crowded corner by the Café de la Paix, I caught a fleeting glimpse of Laploshka. He smiled, slightly raised his hat, and vanished. I never saw him again. After all, the money had been given to the deserving rich, and the soul of Laploshka was at peace.